Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? It's going well, Amy. Next week is VBS. We're a little busy around the house. I bet you are. I bet you are. We hit VBS as a few weeks ago where I am, but um, I think camp is coming up. I'm doing check-in for uh, campers that are heading off. I got to be there bright and early on Monday morning. So Is, is, is uh, uh, Drew going to camp? No, I just okay. staff volunteer. Like we just volunteer yeah, 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 yeah. to do check-in. I just didn't so. know if you had like, this is like Drew's last year to go to summer camp or whatever, you know, no, no, the no, youth no, camp. No, no okay. this is, I think middle school camp is next week. Oh, okay. Uh, but I just, I signed up to be there for check-in as they head out. I'm not, I'm not going for the Such whole Such a good week. volunteer. Look at you. I, I'm not as great as the ones who are headed for the whole week. You know so. what I did the week of camp? What? That we had that Beth, you know, she's youth minister. Right. She took the kids to camp. I, I went to New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> she had camp the week before the SBC annual meeting and got back on Friday or Saturday, Thursday, something like that or whatever, and then turned around and took off to uh, to New Orleans a couple of days later. So she was just pretty gassed at the annual meeting because camp was right before it. So wild times. I bet she was. Yeah. Wild times. So yeah, really so tired. she's getting ready for VBS. She's running rec. So she's not the children's minister anymore and not in charge of everything. She gets to be the fun youth minister and just hang out and do rec, you know, the kind of the standard stuff. She's pretty pumped about that. She she's like, I don't know really what to, it's, it's you know, like it's like Ricky Bobby and Talladega Nights. I really don't know what to do with my hands. Like she, she doesn't know what to do with her time. She just she just gets to show up and have fun. Yeah, I love it. It's awesome. She's digging it. So the kids are excited. Cool. So we only got about a month left of Ethan around the house, about a month, month and a half. So trying to squeeze in all the time. Yeah, we we understand that. We yep. got about a month left um, before Drew heads to ECU and Mary moves into the dorm at College at Southeastern. So, yep, for her second year, so pretty wild. Right. Well, we missed you on the pod last week. Sorry you couldn't make that, but you were vacationing, doing different things. So, but uh, we had a good episode last week, even though you weren't on there because we had a, a nice conversation from the CP stage from the SBC annual meeting. So if you missed that, go back, check that out on uh, how younger pastors can learn from older pastors, basically uh, talking about that. So uh, a little mentoring action going on last week on the podcast. But before we jump into the news this week, because we got a few things to talk about, if you're looking to stay informed and engaged in the latest missions, discipleship, leadership, and political happenings within the SBC, look no further than the brand new Baptist Press newsletters, BP Missions, Discipleship, Leadership, and Politics. These weekly newsletters offer insightful and thought-provoking content that will deepen your understanding and strengthen your faith. Don't miss out on these valuable resources. You can subscribe over at baptistpress.com slash subscribe. That's baptistpress.com slash subscribe. I guess I should update that and stop calling them the brand new Baptist Press newsletters since it's about six months into it. But here Probably we are. So. Here we are. You know, hey, they've been around a lot of people. They're new to they're new to somebody, Amy. They're new to somebody. There you go. There you go. Brand new to somebody. All right. We start with a letter from the National African American Fellowship uh, that they sent to President Bart Barber last week on the recent action and discussion surrounding pastoral titles. Yes. So this hit, I think, on, was it Sunday that it came out? Uh, Saturday night, I think, late. It it was sent on July the 3rd, so the Monday before the 4th, the holiday. And it didn't really like surface, I guess, until last weekend or whatever. Yep. I saw it uh, pop up last weekend. And so... So it was basically asking for Southern Baptists to consider entering a time of prayer and dialogue about, uh, specifically about the amendment that had its first vote. Mm-hmm. 
in New Orleans. And so uh, NAF represents about 4,000 Southern Baptist churches and um, just talks really about this question of churches in the SBC that don't believe women should be senior pastor, but allow women the usage of a pastor title and just sort of what that what that looks like. And this is a kind of a spirited discussion that is happening right now. Other articles. Yeah. Um, Your have, boss had one this week. That's right. I've been coming out about that. And there have been some first persons that have been done in Baptist Press yeah. just about some of the implications of this discussion. Mm-hmm. Got another there one coming a, this coming week. Yeah, there was a, a an interview. BP this week did a, an interview with Juan Sanchez, who had made the amendment. There's a lot that is coming out about this. I mean, even just a month after New Orleans. Um, let me tell you what this tells me. And and obviously, we don't even know about the. There's a task force that's getting yeah. named about Article Three as a whole, yeah. not just Still about on this that. one amendment. Yeah, not just this one amendment, but about Article Three as a whole. What this tells me is the importance of our process where it says that a constitutional amendment needs to pass two years at two thirds vote. Uh, There's a reason that that's put and that's not an abnormal thing that's put into constitutions a lot. And it's because changing the constitution is a really big deal and it takes a very high threshold. And so that's the one that we established, I don't know when, way long before I was part of this. And so as I see this conversation kind of taking place, it shows me how important that is. So I know a lot of folks are saying, hey, this is the, you know, the vote was really big. And yeah, it was, it it hit a two thirds threshold, but the threshold is actually two thirds, two years in a row, which means we're going to be talking about this over the next year, and that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, so we'll continue the conversation, I'm sure, for the next 11 months or whatever it is. Uh, I, I guess we are about 11 months from today. Uh, you know, we're, we're one month out. A month ago, Amy, we were wrapping up the gavel in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, a month ago today, in fact. So the, the 14th of June. So a uh, lot of discussion down the road on this. Uh, we may try to get some interviews here on the podcast uh, from some of the, the people that are part of this. So See what we can do on that as we move forward. But uh, I know it was last week was the first of the month, but you know what that means, Amy? CP. That's right. Cooperative program giving again last month over budget. $16.145 million given in June 2023. Just a little bit, about $125,000 over budget for the month. That brings the annual total to $146,138,906.38. Don't forget the 38 cents, which is 1.34% above budget, uh, almost $2 million above budget with three months to go, Amy. So three months to go here in the budget year, and we are on pace to hit budget for uh, another year here in the SBC. So good news on on the cooperative program front. All right. Very cool. And speaking of cooperative program front and budgets. The North Carolina Baptist Convention, your state convention, led by good friend of the pod, Todd Unzicker, has endorsed a budget proposal for a 50-50 split in the state of North Carolina. Yeah, this was big talk in my state. This was a commitment that was made almost 20 years ago to move toward the 50-50 mark. And so uh, Milton Hollyfield had made that pledge to move the state toward, and now we are actually seeing it. So it moved from, it was 32% going to national um, in 2006 when Milton Hollyfield was elected 
then by the time he retired, it got to 42%. So in, in the time that he had been um, executive director, he moved it 10 percentage points. And then um, Todd Unziker came in a couple of years ago, and it's already moving up now to 50. So in 2022, we increased the CP allocation that goes to um, the SBC from 42 to 45 percent. And then now it moved from 45 to 48 percent this year. Now the new budget proposal is going to go from 48 to 50. So 50-50 split. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that, North Carolina Baptist. I'll be there in November for the North Carolina Baptist State Convention annual meeting. Exciting times in Greensboro, as always. And uh, looking forward to celebrating that with our friends in the great state of North Carolina under the leadership of good friend of the pod, Todd Unzicker. So exciting times there. Good to see that from North Carolina. And Amy, we've got some news from Southwestern. Madison Grace has been named the provost at Southwestern Seminary. Yeah, Madison Grace has been around for a while, and he is a history professor, teaches Baptist history there, um, Baptist history and theology. He's been the interim dean of the School of Theology since January, and so uh, now he moves into the role of provost. Um, So he's very highly respected among Baptist historians. Very exciting for Dr. Grace. Yes, got some other news from Southwestern. Carl Bradford, the Assistant Professor of Evangelism, has been named the Interim Associate Dean of the Fish School. And then also Dean Saberhagen, who joined Southwestern about a decade ago after uh, some service time with the International Mission Board, will be the Interim Dean of the Roy J. Fish School of Evangelism and Missions. So he is Dean Dean. That was the first thing I thought when I saw this, that his name was Dean. I saw that the other day. And then people are going to say, oh, Dean. So, And it's like, that's his name. He's been called Dean Saberhagen his whole life. His parents parents set him up for this. This was, he was born for this, Amy. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. No relation to Brett, by the way. So now I'm waiting uh, for the day when Dean and Sarah gets oh, uh, a yes. job as the Dean of something. I, th- I think he may send you a strongly worded email uh, for suggesting say, that. Uh, I am not going to do that. Yes. He, he's like, I'm not even getting a doctorate. So, <laughs> but That's yeah, right. so, so Dean Saberhagen is now the Dean of the Fish School of Evangelism and Missions. So Dean, Very Dean cool. Saberhagen. So. Congrats to our friends over at Southwestern on those appointments. I have not met Madison Grace. I look forward to, to doing so soon. So yeah. I have not met him. All right. Well, last story, Amy, on the podcast this week, an exciting story from California. So we had the movie uh, earlier this year, uh, the Greg right. Laurie movie, and you know, starring Kelsey Grammer, things like that. Talk about the, the Calvary, Calvary Chapel movement. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Out there in Southern California and all the, the big Jesus movement and the baptisms at Pirates Cove Beach. Well, 4,500 people were baptized. 45. 4,500 people baptized July the 8th at Pirates Cove Beach out there as part of Harvest Christian Fellowship's Jesus Revolution Baptism. Crazy, right? 4,500. 4,500. That's amazing. That takes a while. Yeah, it it does. It does. I I would imagine several hours. Yes. If not days. They drew 32,500 people to the Southern California Harvest Crusade. Earlier this year, and 6,794 made decisions for Christ. And it's it's not clear how many of those were among the 4,500, because a lot of churches were parts of this, so they kind of held it. And um, yeah, so 4,500 people baptized last weekend. Over Pretty wild. That. Yeah. So <laughs> I love this line here. 
that uh, the Greg Laurie tweeted. He said, my son Jonathan was talking to people and they were happy and enjoyed it because it takes a while to baptize 4,500 people. Let's be honest. They said, oh, we wait in lines longer than this for Disneyland. We're happy to do this. People literally came from all all around the world, all around America, of course, as well. That's really cool. I do think that I have ridden on Splash Mountain before and got wetter on that than I did when I got baptized when I was a kid. Uh, uh, no comment. I don't know what that says about your. I was not happy. I think I texted you about that. I I I got really wet on Splash Mountain once. So. (laughs) And okay. it was, I was not happy about that, by the way. I, okay. I, just, I don't know what I was thinking that I, you know, you go on a water ride and you get mad because you get wet. I mean, like, you know, get over yourself, right. Jonathan. I have a really good picture of you after you got off of Splash Mountain as well uh, a couple of years ago for, or last year, I guess, for the annual meeting. I saw that the other day on my phone. So I was scrolling through. Yeah, that was, uh, we, the, the family sat me in the wrong spot. Yes. You so also I was got not, baptized on Splash Mountain. I was not Mountain. happy. I was not happy. So. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, but congratulations to our friends out there in Southern California. Greg Laurie uh, doing a great thing with his Harvest Crusades and 4,500 baptisms. Just amazing. So that's going to do it for the news this week, Amy. Bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, Laura Mines. Well, I don't know if uh, a lot of you out there are having the heat waves that everyone is having, but as you try to think through yes. <laughs> what to do, as you I try am. to think through what to do to sort of cool off, whether it's your house or, or whatever, I got a story from 1954 about a church in my home state or my home, my residency right now. Um, anyway, um, my state of North Carolina in Goldsboro, First Baptist Church of Goldsboro. The title is North Carolina Church Beats the Heat. And it says, is it hot in your church? If so, you might try to beat the heat as the First Baptist Church Goldsboro did. All right. All right so well, outside temperature. Outside temperature was 106 degrees. What? In North Carolina? Yes. Holy smokes. And they did not have air conditioning. Wait, what year was this? This was in 1954. Yeah. Well, yeah. So they were they were running, uh, They had a, it was about 84. The thermostat was reading about 84 inside. Well, okay? they didn't have HC. Then how did they? Roy Parker Jr., Deacon. Filled the baptistry with 500 pounds of ice. Okay. They closed all the windows and doors. Carry on. They put a fan blowing across the ice and it sent cool air over the congregation. The apparatus was rigged at 8 o'clock a.m. and said by the time church services were underway, the auditorium was very comfortable despite the stifling heat outside. It was 84 in the room, even with the ice? No, 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 no. Oh. This is after that. Like, they brought oh. the ice in for that. Oh, no, maybe it was. Maybe that was. It was. Eight, it brought it to 84. That's what it was. Well, I mean, it compared 100, to 106, right. I, I think. It's 106, so it brought it down to 84. Now I'm reading. So now it's, I'm like, reading the, it's like sleeping at your grandparents' house. That's right. That's right. Yes. But that's, I mean, that's 22 degrees brought it down yeah. there. So it's pretty good. Uh, so... I just want to say, Jonathan, you all at Baptist Press, you do a great job of putting some stories in or things that provide resources for churches. But Baptist Press has been doing that for a really, really long yeah. time because in 1954, probably had a lot of churches out there that didn't have yeah. air conditioning units. It was expensive. And so really great idea from Roy Parker Jr. Uh, this week in SBC history. I'm guessing a lot of churches didn't have AC until about the 70s or 80s. Yeah. 
500 pounds of ice. Says that his How much father, ice is that? It's 500 pounds. Well, I know, but like, uh, give me a visual on what, what 500 pounds of ice looks like. Got no idea. But how, how says, many, how, like those, the bags that you get to the store for like, you want to throw it and you make it home right ice cream or something. Uh, yeah. Is this what, 10 pound bags? Something like that. Yeah. So that's 50 like of those. 50 of those. Yeah. So in a, it, bit. this says it's using a system his father invented Ooh. several years ago. So Roy Parker Sr. Blow water over ice. Yeah. Invented. He invented that. Like, come on. Roy Parker Sr. invented. Um, blowing water in, over ice. Blowing air over ice, or not blowing, water. Blowing air over ice. Sorry. Yes. Uh, at least in Goldsboro, he did. So he came up with it and uh, it worked. So what a great service there by Deacon Roy. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. More deacons to control the air conditioning and get it cooler. That's right. So That's right. Deacon's been controlling air a long time. So, the there you go. <laughs> Some pastors out there, yeah. like, yes, I know all about that right there. Yeah, the deacons try to set it to 84 <laughs> these days. That's what it is. It's a big, it's, it's a great service. Great so, service. Yeah. All right. I, if, if, if What's funny is that 84 was like, oh, it was comfortable. If it was 84 in our sanctuaries today, people would be losing their minds. They would. They yes. would. Oh my word! That would be oh, it's so hot. So, yes. but I guess when it's one hundred and six outside, eighty four feels pretty good. Yes. So for sure, I'd be we'd be moving the services to the night and trying to yeah. or something like that. I don't know. Figure something out. That's that's wild. So you don't think about that the uh, the temperatures back before air conditioning. Yeah. So I'm I'm pro AC. Pretty wild. So. Same. Another uh, Dean and Sarah reference there as well. So nobody's pro AC like Dean and Sarah. All right. That's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? New book coming out this uh, coming week. You are a theologian, an invitation to know and love God well by Jen Wilkin and JT yep. English. Friends uh, of the pot. Yes, absolutely. So Jen Wilkin, uh, who was on the pod, on the pod. Years, several yes. years ago, several yes. years ago. Great interview. Interviewed and, her at um, the Gaylord, did we? That's right. That's right. The ERLC and, uh, National Conference, I think, part of yes, that. Yes, yes. So her love, and James Merritt on the same day. That's right. So um, love Jen, and she is such an advocate for biblical literacy, and uh, this is uh, this kind of book is right the exact thing that I would expect from her. Um, that, you know, theology can be intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. And so it's kind of a basic book that goes through doctrines. And then JT English, who is the pastor of Storyline, mm-hmm. but JT and, and, uh, Jen were yeah. on staff together yeah. at, the, the at the village church and in Dallas. Yeah. So, and, and, and I believe they have a podcast together. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, and JT English was on the resolutions committee last year. I got to work with him on that. Um, they, they are just really get them on the pod. Yes. Yeah. So the two of them, honestly, um, just two of our best thinkers out there. And I am really excited about this. I cannot wait to get my hands on it. So um, everybody uh, get a copy of this as soon as you can and read it. So I I think what JT, the the, the great thing that JT and Jen do, and they Mm -hmm. do a lot of great things, but the, the thing that I'm most thankful for them is people think theology, they think academia. Mm-hmm. And they have really taken, and the book, this book is like it, all right? It, it shows the emphasis that they have. They've taken theology and made it for the person in the pew in yes. a really, really, really well done way. And the book is kind of the example there. You are a theologian, regardless if right. you're in the pew or in the academy. And 
I, that's what I really appreciate about them. So I'm very it. thankful for them and for this book. I can't wait to get my hands on it. It's coming out this week. So I uh, need to get them on the pod. I'm going to do that because a couple of people that we got to get on the pod. We got uh, in two weeks, we're going to have Josh Benton on from Sin Relief to talk about a little bit about Global Hunger Sunday as well, or Global Hunger Relief Sunday, as well as some of the things that Sin Relief is doing, Backpack Ministry. I've gotten to know Josh uh, from being at some of the NAM trustee events over the past year, doing great things, Sin Relief. He's kind of over the domestic side, Sin Relief, and uh, looking forward to having him on the podcast in a couple of weeks. Going to get some more interviews for you here coming up because we've got some stuff going on, travel, a lot of travel going on and vacations and stuff like that. So going to try to get some interviews for you, get them in the can and, uh, and get some more content here on the podcast, especially over some of these discussions like Amy was mentioning earlier in the show. My resource of the week story from Baptist Press this week, Amy, that you sent to me. So I did. I kudos loved to it. you. Hat tip yeah. to Amy for this. But yeah, it, it started, is a story. It was in the, it was a, yeah. yeah, it was in the Christian Index. Yes. And I so saw it, it. It's a story of Mary Gellerstedt. Now, you don't know Mary Gellerstedt's name, probably, unless you've been at First Atlanta any time since World War II, because that's when she started working at First Baptist Atlanta. She started working at the church in 1944 and still works there. She's 98 and she's still on staff. It's amazing. I love it. So she came on staff, as you said, during World War II. During World War II. Right. She came on, um, for those who know, uh, pay attention to Southern Seminary history, she came and joined the church on um, Ellis Fuller's last Sunday. He had resigned to become the sixth president of Southern Seminary in Louisville. So, And what um, number are they on now? Uh, nine. Nine? Is it Fuller, Fuller, the Fuller, Fuller than McCall. No, no, no. He's the ninth. So Fuller, then McCall, then Honeycutt, then Moeller. Moeller. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So she comes on staff and her first time, her first role as a uh, full-time involved keeping records, but she was just, it sounds like she was just great at her job. So because of her effectiveness, her passion to serve, her responsibilities just increased. She did, it looks like high school ministry, college ministry, senior adult ministry. She was um, an administrative assistant to Charles Stanley for Many years, I think, went while he was SBC president, maybe. Um, but then uh, she, then she had this heart for missions, and they put her in the role of global missions director, and that's her role right now. She's ninety eight years old. Says they have eighty two missionaries that the church supports, and she sends out volunteer mission teams. She keeps up with their missionaries, prays for them. Um, and then she also, under her leadership, the church has participated in mission endeavors locally, um, distributing care packages at children's hospitals, other things. This story is amazing. I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I'm, I'm amazed that I didn't know who she was. Yeah. Well, so that's my resource of the week that Amy just told you all about. So. I, I sorry. I w- I'm so excited. She, this is this story made her a new role model for me. Yep, and and you know it. It also makes her maybe for the end of the year. Um, a fascinating Southern Baptist. Absolutely. But I don't reveal who. I know, is but I'm I'm, I'm throwing her name in the hat. You're nominating her. Yeah. All right, we'll see. Throwing her name in the hat, man. She's got it. She's got a good she's chance. She's been on staff since World War II. She's got a good chance. That's crazy. 
Think about that. Yes. I know. Man, that was before First Atlanta had air conditioning, probably. <laughs> well, it was for sure before First Baptist Goldsboro had exactly. air conditioning. Exactly. Yeah, she'd yeah. already been at First Atlanta for a decade before Goldsboro even thought about getting air conditioning. That's right. So, all right. Well, that that's just wild. That's an amazing story. So thanks to our friends down at the Christian Index for that one. And uh, on Mary G, as they're calling her. Uh, and uh, very, very cool. So Southern Baptist Convention filled with folks like that, that we don't know about, that have given a lifetime of service, that just go and do their job and reach people for Christ. And that's right. I think that's one of the coolest things about our, our convention of churches. So yep. it's not all about the, the celebrity folks. It's the people like Mary G that are making it happen every day, day in and day out. Yeah. And with a, um, with what looks like is a quiet and humble leadership, um, just serving yep. hard. And when I say quiet, I mean, it seems like she's quite a force oh, there yeah. in First Baptist Atlanta, but she's not, you know, like you said, it's not a lot of fanfare externally. She's just focused on their, um, on their, their missions work. And I love it. Yep. Absolutely. So very cool, cool way to end the show there. And, uh, thankful for Mary G and her service at First Atlanta and across the convention. So Amy, I'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.